Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 119 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and joining me here in the studio for the second episode of August 2014 and our Daikaiju discussion episode for Invasion of Astro Monster, we have Mr. Jeff Dean. Hello, friends. And we have Rachel Cook. Hello, best friends. Oh, yeah. one this. Yeah. I like it. That's <laughs> we're going to get nasty tonight. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. on. It's on. Uh, and we are going to be hanging out and talking about some cool stuff and watching a really awesome movie. My favorite movie. And, uh, and oh my God, the news we have to cover, the housekeeping stuff we have to cover, catastrophic events. Yes. Ultimately catastrophic. This is probably going to be an epically long episode, so those people that love those long episodes, you're welcome up front. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and start things off with a song from the Godzilla vs. Heavy Metal CD. Uh, yes. In my, <laughs> in my notes here, I have this song, and it is called Battle by Cha-Cha Maru.
first thing we heard there was battle and that was from the uh godzilla versus heavy metal cd and that was just something i wanted to play because i kind of like that song although i didn't realize it was so long as we were getting into it but that second song was a request for johnny and he asked for the ultraman leo theme song 
And uh, that is pretty much going to do it for our first round of music, because once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju Cast showcases one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listeners with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one film to each month, ensuring that this podcast will keep going for a long, long time. This month, finally, we are talking about Kaiju Daisenso, or Invasion of Astro Monster, or the title that I first saw this movie as, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. The original Japanese film was released on December 19th of 1965, and it was a co-production between uh, Japan's Toho and America's UPA, which was helmed by Henry Saperstein. This man is the guy that's basically responsible for most of the Godzilla films coming to the States, at least the Showa-era stuff. And then he's also responsible for much of the licensing stuff that happened from, let's say, 1965 through 1998, basically. He's the reason we had Trendmasters figures. He's the reason we had the Godzilla cartoon, you know, from <laughs> 1978 or whatever. All hail Saperstein. <laughs> all hail Saperstein. Uh, anyway, it's no secret at all that Godzilla vs. Monster Zero is my favorite movie of the Showa era. Uh, but it might also be my favorite Godzilla movie of all time. That's sort of an organic process that just kind of like ebbs and flows uh, over the months and years. But we are going to go ahead and execute plan two of item four, schedule five. Now, giant entertainment, giant terror, monster zero. Do you see anything? From a planet 50 million miles beyond the stars came a strange message. Lend us your Rodan and Godzilla to fight our Monster Zero. Earth answered. And the most dreaded creatures ever to walk our planet are lifted into outer space. The stage is set for the mightiest battle ever seen by the universe in Monster Zero. All forces on Earth ready to attack. What started out as a call for help from space turns into a nightmare of terror on Earth, Monster Zero. Never, ever, ever get sick of watching Monster Zero. It is so good. So good. You know, to be perfectly honest, a lot of times we do these things at night. It's 1030 right now. So uh, with the exception of the, you know, dinking around the studio uh, after the movie, we have been watching a movie in the dark, a Godzilla movie, subtitled Godzilla movie in the dark for the past like hour and a half. And a lot of times it gets a little sleepy in my brain. I, sometimes <laughs> I have a little bit of a little bit trouble watching these movies so late, especially, you know, on a normal day when I'm getting up at 6 a.m. and doing my normal business. But tonight, I was sitting there just, like, loving the entire thing. I absolutely adore this film. Uh, now, you guys both had seen it before, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, we watched, we chose to watch the subtitled version actually from Japan. I'm not sure if it's the exact same version that they have on the classic media disc, but I happen to have mm, a, how would I say this, a high-definition version 
a digital version. Uh, and we decided to watch that one. And it's, it's really cool to see the film as it was intended for audiences. The one thing that I will say right off the bat that I wish that it had was I wish that it hadn't have dubbed Nick Adams' voice into Japanese. I wish we could still hear his, look, Namikawa, we're not robots. Like, <laughs> that, because that, that, honestly, that's part of the thing that makes the film so amazing for me, at least. So Yeah, I agree with you. Now, have you guys ever seen it subtitled before, or has it always been dubbed? I think I always choose subtitles for the most yeah. part. So I so that's you've how never I'm used to it. Have you never so, seen the dub version? No, I haven't. Um, so now do you regret not I think no, I don't regret that. <laughs> I've seen the dubbed version more often than Yeah. I've only seen the sub version like once or twice, but yeah. well the, darn, I'll have to watch it again. Yeah, I, and, and I think it's Nick, <laughs> all right, Nick Adams that really yeah. pushes you wanting the Uh Well, you know, to be perfectly honest, I really like the dub. And that's not just Nick Adams. I think the Voice actors who did it did a fantastic job. So let's just pause it here and we'll fire up the dub version and we'll be right back. <laughs> just kidding. We're not doing that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, uh, well, let's start with uh, Rachel, ladies first. Initial thoughts. It's so much fun. It's so good. I love a good story. Feel free to and trash it. Just... Don't, don't praise it just because you know it's my favorite movie. You know, I've never tried to please you, Kyle. <laughs> no, it's no, it truly that's something that I think a lot of people will say, even though I don't completely agree with that. A lot of the Godzilla films, they're mostly just into the monster action and not so much the story, but this one has both. Yeah. And it's great. Definitely. And I've said this a lot in the past, like, year. Monster Zero has probably one of what I consider to be the most enjoyable story. Yeah. And it's, uh, what else have I said about this? It, this, this movie contains everything that I love about Godzilla movies in capsulated in a 90 minute period. You've got aliens, you've got, uh, outer space, you've got Toho Mecha, Toho Science, and Kaiju, and uh, the character actors and the actors are all awesome. Mm -hmm. Nick Adams is awesome. Ugh, I could gush about this movie, uh, in a commentary if I wanted to. Yes. And someday we will. Sounds like we should. <laughs> someday we will. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, just throwing this out there, I've often said that we won't do a commentary for a movie that has already had a commentary from some of the people I know and some of the people mm -hmm. that have done commentaries. Monster Zero is the exception. And I, I really feel that when we sit down and do the commentary for Monster Zero, I am going to have uh, so much information. I'm basically going to cherry pick the things that I want to talk about. And then it's going to be a lot of, man, that's so cool, you know, for the rest of it. So <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a great commentary anyway. But what about you, Jeff? Initial thoughts? I think this film is like outstanding. From the casting, to the effects, to the music, to the story, to the pacing. It's like, it's never boring at all. Pacing is a good, good, uh, uh, thing to talk about specifically for this film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is like, you know, I know we, we had talked about when we did our Mothra versus Godzilla as kind of like 
you know, this is starting to be the high point of, of the Godzilla series. For sure. But, you know, I think this one, I mean, for me, it's like those two, those are the pinnacle. Yeah. That and this film. Yeah. I often overlook Mothra versus Godzilla, even though I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are problems with this film because as I say, no Godzilla film is perfect. But for me, the problems in Mothra versus Godzilla, like story problems, let's just say story problems in Mothra versus Godzilla are more disappointing to me than the, than the story problems here in, in Monster Zero. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's all. Uh, yeah. I gotta say, like, my initial thoughts, even though I've already pretty much said them, I really feel like you can't go wrong with this film. You know, there are Godzilla films that I, I would say, yeah, you know, let's, it'd be cool to see a remake, a modern remake of yeah, yeah. this Godzilla film or that Godzilla film. This is one that I don't think they should touch. Like, no, they kind yeah. of have, in a sense, like, taken elements from it and put it in Godzilla versus King Ghidra from 91. Sure elements from this and put it in final wars i just don't want to see this tarnished like to me monster zero I, and again we'll talk about some of his flaws in a minute but like something about Mon monster zero is is a uh, is absolutely classic and timeless and i just love it and it is it, like i said exactly what i look for in a godzilla movie so i think this is like the gold standard of the showa era i think it is but it's also weird because this movie has a very small amount of monster action. Like the, the mm -hmm. battle on, on, uh, Planet X is maybe a couple of minutes. Yeah. And then once they finally get the monsters to Earth again, that battle is very short. Mm -hmm. And I think this is like one of the exceptions where you have, you know, like Rachel said, the, the story element and the human element and just everything. It, it's never, you don't care. Right. right. You're not like, yeah. oh, when's Godzilla going to show up again? Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, Godzilla and the monster action is just like icing on the cake, basically. Yeah. And if you, if, because, uh, you know, a long time ago, Jeff Zorno and I were talking about this film. You know, Jeff loves Zorno, of course, I'm talking about, loves the 70s films. He's crazy in love with Godzilla versus Gigan, which I also really love, and Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And he's like, Nakano's uh, special effects with the huge explosions and stuff. He's a, you know, he goes crazy for that stuff. And, um, and so, but when he, his, uh, comment about Monster Zero was that there's no kaiju action or it's so boring. And I, I disagree with the boring aspect as, as you mentioned, Rachel, mm -hmm. the story is compelling and the actors do such an amazing job of taking you from from point one to point two point three etc and you never feel bored really so at least i don't <laughs> and so uh i just never even thought about how little kaiju time was in this until it was brought up to me somewhat recently i think within the past year as we were watching it tonight i was thinking about how little kaiju time there is but if you analyze the monster action that you get, mm -hmm. it's pretty destructive. There is a ton mm -hmm. of building crushing homes getting smashed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like all kind of rapid cut succession. It's, it was kind of eye opening to watch for yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, in, in my opinion, this has some of the best effects, effects work, the miniature yeah. work, the monster work is the tanks. all tanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's all mm -hmm. great. So even if you have, a little bit, 
what you do have is fantastic. That's what I was thinking, too, that it's just, yeah, you get it in small doses, but it's more quality than quantity. It's just, it's great. It's, It's just... You get so much solid, great monster action. It's, they're not wasting time just kind of, you know, looking at each other, about to attack or anything. They're just getting right down to it. And I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. What's the, uh, you know what the minute number is when you first get to see Godzilla and Rodan when they first. Are you talking about when they get pulled out of the yeah, lake and you know, out of the mountain? Yeah. Cause that's the first time you see them in, in the film. Uh, you know, I should have checked I mean, while I we were watching it. It's well in the, I think past the 30 minute mark. Yeah. It's def, I think it's definitely past the 30 minute mark. But for me, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I honestly do not one time at all say to myself, where are the monsters? Which is why the American Godzilla film, the new one from Legendary Pictures, it didn't bother me that Godzilla didn't show up. And that never even crossed my mind the first time I watched it. It took someone else saying it for me to go, oh, yeah, I guess Godzilla himself wasn't really in the movie that much. Yeah. <clears throat> Again. I mean, I don't want to compare that film to to the American, or this film to the American one. But I will just say that, for me, the story of Monster Zero is just way more entertaining than from the American. The American one does not hold a candle to... Monsters Hero, in my opinion. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. yes, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so, because we've, uh, we've already gushed about it, <laughs> like, do we want to, do we want to talk about one, choose one thing in particular that you think makes this movie so awesome? You get, you can only choose one thing. That's the hardest part oh, for yeah, me. Yeah, that's really tough. One thing. You know, I love the soundtrack to this movie. It's just interesting. Out. It's hard to pick one thing. No. Right? Because this movie, yeah. it's like a combination of so many things that make it mm-hmm. great. I completely agree with that. <laughs> I think I'd go with, I, I just, it's just it's such an exciting moment for me. I just love this scene. And I mean, you see it time and again, people post it as a gif on, on you or on um, Facebook and what have you. But, uh, but the, with Godzilla, with the kind of dancing move he oh, does. Oh, this the Godzilla <laughs> Shay. Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, it's so great. I I think it it just kind of encapsulates my feeling about the film. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, I have, you know, um, let's see, I have four books about Godzilla that cover this movie, mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, commentary by Stuart Galbraith. I actually really enjoy. It's very informative, and it's not, you know. It's not what I would consider to be boring for a commentary. So I was listening to that and I was thinking about, well, what are some of the key points that Stuart talks about that I would really like to share? Uh, and since you brought up the Godzilla Shay, mm-hmm. I will share some things that he said just really quickly about it. Not even these weren't written down. These are things that I'm just, you know, fascinated by. <laughs> Apparently, Yoshio Tsuchiya, the guy who played the controller, suggested that Godzilla do a little victory dance. <laughs> and there is a, I don't remember the ex, the exact Japanese name, but there was a comedian who did that dance and it was very popular in Japan. Oh, wow. And so that's why Godzilla did that. And apparently everyone else except for Subaraya was against it. 
Like Nakajima really? didn't want to do it. Like yeah, everybody was like, "This, this isn't what Godzilla is supposed to do." <laughs> but Subaraya was like, "No, kids are gonna dig that." And you know, I wish I could go back in time and watch myself as a younger man watch this movie and look at my reaction because I'm sure when I when I sort of like dove right into the Godzilla stuff and was like watching as much as I could I'm sure I probably dismissed this movie because I wasn't really mature enough I guess you could say to really understand like why this movie is awesome Hmm. like back when it was kind of like I just wanted to watch the monsters trash each other you know (laughs) like because I'm sure at one point in my life I was like that and, uh, you know, I, but it doesn't bother me now at all. You know, like, in fact, I find it endearing. And when the Kickstarter campaign, you know, successfully funded and I sent out the message to all the backers, I put like the animated gif of Godzilla dancing. Yeah. My mom, I was, I was talking to her like uh, a couple of weeks later and she thought that I had actually created that somehow oh my god and i was like no that's actually in a movie that's actually in my favorite godzilla movie so it was interesting because obviously she hasn't seen that but you know it was cool to to share that story with her yeah yeah you know i'll admit something when i first saw this movie the very first time yeah when he did that i was like what that's kind (laughs) of weird yeah i i admit it kind of you know i wasn't Took you aback. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for it. And I think, but it's grown on me, of course, over the years. And now, you know, I like it. But I know the first time or two that I saw it, I was not a huge fan. Right. I wouldn't hate it, but I was just like, you didn't appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, this seems out of character to me. Yeah. No, I I get that. And I, that's why I'm saying, like, I, I would imagine that when I was younger, it bothered me or it didn't sit well with me. But, you know, now it doesn't bother me at all. It's, uh, it's, it actually, I find it more endearing, I think, because mm-hmm. it's more of a, it's, it's an iconic point. You know, in Doctor Who, they say there are uh, fixed points that you can't change. Like, that's yeah. why you can't yeah. go back right. and kill Hitler or, or, or whatever. So the Godzilla Shea dance is a fixed point in Godzilla history. <laughs> you know, I think if you were, if there was a Doctor Who episode where someone suggested that they go back and, stop that from happening he would say nope you can't do that because <laughs> like, yeah. it's permeated permeated the fandom and permeated yeah. the world really mm-hmm. so uh it's become iconic yes yeah. so i wanted to say something really quickly about the soundtrack uh since you brought it up the soundtrack is great um i when we watched it in the um in the hollywood theater when we did the godzilla the 50 years of godzilla film festival what I was really impressed with one time, uh, and I should give a little backstory. So Toho starts the movie off, their Japanese version, with I think the march, the bump, 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 but when they brought it to America, Saperstein changed it to, uh, to the song that, uh, has sort of like the, I don't even know what, instruments make the sound but the sort of like almost theremin stuff going on the little high-pitched noises then he goes bum 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 well in the the version we got at the hollywood theater it was missing the first few seconds of that 
Hmm. So right when it starts, the you know the, the movie fires up, and then the guy who was doing the projection at the time, it might have been Dan, it might have been somebody else, had the volume up too loud. <laughs> so when oh when it went bum 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 bum, you saw people in the audience jump because they just weren't <laughs> expecting it. It was so cool. But anyway, uh, I'm actually not a huge fan of this soundtrack compared to other. Ifukube soundtracks, but there's some definite iconic moments in this that, uh, I believe I heard were reused in, um, Daimajin, actually. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, uh, it is a great soundtrack overall. Uh, Rachel, can you think of one shining moment or one shining aspect of this film that you really loved? Well, I just love the Planet X people so much. The X, the aliens I, are awesome, yeah. The aliens are so great. I love their costumes are so wonderful. And their language is really fun that you get to hear oh, yeah. a lot. So in the I Japanese should, I should mention this. Version. We, because we watched a Japanese, an, a legit Japanese version of it, legit in, in the sense that it was directly from Japan and not, uh, not what was on the classic media disc. There's a, a few more seconds in the film. I would say overall, you maybe get a minute of extra footage that you don't get in the English dub. And some of that stuff is the aliens speaking in their native language, which uh, you know this when you're watching it because the version I have, because it stops being subtitled mm-hmm. and they stop speaking Japanese. Mm-hmm. So there's some sort of like auto translation thing going on there that, that they turn off and you can actually see the controller press the three button combo or whatever to turn off the translator in, in uh, I think the first time is when Glenn and Fuji are observing the monster zero attack and then they get it. They get turned off so they can't hear anything. But in the American version, the controller just goes click, click. And then this bubble appears around them. But in the Japanese version, uh, the controller goes click click and then the japanese cuts out and the Amer- and the ex alien speak comes in and then uh and then there's another couple of seconds of that before the bubble appears around them so hmm. yeah it was cool yeah. that was uh, yeah i don't think a lot of people know about that unfortunately and when we watched that at the hollywood theater the version that we got was actually the dubbed version but with those scenes, which is how oh, I knew okay. to look for them. But yeah. that's not what's on the DVD here. Interesting. Yeah. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy, nerdy stuff, you guys. I like it. Uh, something that I also love about the uh, the aliens, specifically the controller, who is played by Yoshio Tsuchiya and is amazing, is that he developed all of that language stuff not so much the spoken language, maybe the spoken language, but the hand signals that he was giving. Like, next time you watch the film, just watch what he does huh. with his hands. I want to learn those little... He's basically yeah. like... In the American version, there's one particular part where he holds up his two index fingers and says, but do we not to? And then he moves his fingers at people. <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> to me, like, everything he does with his hands is... Really cool. And I know that Suchia came up with that stuff himself. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and choose my favorite thing about the movie. Hmm. Hmm. 
So I will have to say, uh, just to choose something different from you guys, my favorite thing about this movie is probably the miniature work. And that includes the special effects when you see the miniatures, like specifically like the A-Cycle light ray, mm-hmm. specifically... Yeah, just like actually, I guess I should say I'll narrow it down instead of just miniatures, all the mecha stuff, everything that yeah. involves mechanics and machinery. That stuff I'm just enthralled with. I love the saucers, I love the A cycle light ray, I love the fact that you get the atomic heat projector from Mothra. The original 1961 Mothra is on planet X, and that's what disintegrates the bubbles around Godzilla and Rodan. Like, everything about that is fantastic. All the effects work with that stuff is so great. I still don't know how they do half of it, man. Like, it's really, really, really good. Really, really, really good. It's like, seriously, I can't can't get enough of it. So The Earth ship is pretty impressive. The P-1? Yeah. Okay, so there's another really cool story about the P-1 that's... Uh, I'm sure if I wanted to, I could pause the recording and I could look in some books behind me and find out like how big the replica was, the one that the main one that they used. Mm -hmm. But I will say that, you know, the scenes when it was coming up out of the surface of planet X. Yeah. There's a funny story behind that. Uh, Yasuyuki Inoue, who was one of the special effects designers. When, they knew that they needed to have the spaceship come up from the bottom. The set wasn't tall enough. Like, the angle that they needed the camera, if they had had to raise things up and move things around, you would have seen the top of the set. Mm. So, instead of making a smaller model or doing something different, he actually uh put up some barriers and they dug a hole into the concrete. <laughs> Oh my like, gosh. Dug a hole through the floor of the studio. Wow. And uh and basically so that they could have the P1 <laughs> like raise up like that. And he got in trouble for it. I was just gonna ask, was that allowed? Did he get well, approval? Well, I think for I think this? With, according to him, when they said, Who gave you permission to do this? He like pointed at himself and said, I gave myself permission. <laughs> and then they did it again in Destroy oh All gosh. Monsters, too. So there you go. Obviously, he did not learn his lesson. Yep. Not yep. enough punishment on the first one. <laughs> well, maybe yeah. when the studio saw, you know, maybe the, the maybe. result. There were, you go. They were I think okay with Subaraya yeah. probably like got upset with him, and then he probably was like, "Okay, it's cool." Saw man. the movie and was like, oh, yeah. "That's dedication. cool, man." Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, there's so many like little fun stories. If you haven't listened to the commentary by Stuart Galbraith, I highly suggest it because it's it's great. Uh moving on we have to talk about things we didn't like who wants to start i'll go i'll say something i didn't like this is something that doesn't actually come up in my brain too much when i watch it but logic dictates that there are some flaws in the story the flaws in the story are as such if the planet x aliens really wanted to come destroy earth why did they need to a hide out here b uh (laughs) even come up with the miracle cure you know there was no reason to even do that because eventually their goal was to just wipe everybody out (laughs) it was quite the scheme 
to just wipe everybody out. They they didn't have to do all that prep work. And yeah, there's a lot of prep work. Anyway, but yes. that doesn't take away from my enjoyment at all. It it's was only for something your I think enjoyment of, yeah. is why they did that. That's right. Yeah. There's the logic. There's only yeah. one reason that even comes up, and that's because I think at one point I read comments about that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> I don't apply logic in monster movies. I don't it just really doesn't work. either. I don't yeah. see the point. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I just kind of wash over that. It's yeah. like it's yeah. not that important. But that's the thing that I like the least about the film. And that yeah. doesn't bother me while I'm right? watching the film. So, so yeah. there you go. I came up with something. Now you guys have to come up with something. Oh. The lack of the Godzilla theme. Mm, yeah. Okay. And I'm just, I, really, I'm just, you know. Grasping at straws. I'm grasping at straws <laughs> here. Because it's like, I feel like I'm nitpicking. Yeah. Really. That's okay. You know, I mean, that's what I can come up with because really there's very little to dislike. I agree. In, in this yeah. movie. I completely agree. If you're going to force me to pick something, that's, that's what I'm going to pick. All right. <laughs> okay, I've got one. Lack of baby monsters. <laughs> mm. Yep. Again, grasping right. at straws here. But there are no baby monsters. There's no kids None. in this movie I either. <laughs> I want a lot that's of kids okay. and we a lot of baby kids. monsters. No, we don't need kids. Cool. We need baby <laughs> monsters. Okay. No, I I really don't have that's much. Cool. I that's just kind of a made up thing. No, that's cool. It's Although okay. I was a little disappointed. Well, let's go ahead and move on. I mean, I could actually just keep talking about this movie. We're already kind of far into the episode time wise, so we're gonna go ahead and go to our final thoughts. Final thoughts. Somebody go. I love that it is. A sci-fi movie and a monster movie and a great human story um, with aliens and just so many great things going on. Mechas. There's so much. It's got it all. That's what I love about it. That's my final thing. Would you suggest this to someone who's never seen a Godzilla movie before? Yeah, it's fun. I'd be just curious to see their thoughts. It would be awesome to like vicariously relive that moment through them right yeah yeah just, what you think of that about yeah. you dude yeah i think this is an outstanding movie um like like i said before it's like the gold standard of the Shoah era in my opinion and i would not only would i show this as a godzilla film i would show this as an example of great 50s 60s sci-fi films very cool I, a long time ago, when we did, <laughs> let me tell so many stories about showing it at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, I invited some friends of mine to come watch it, some people who were not Godzilla fans. And at one point, I'm just sitting there, like, grinning from ear to ear while watching this. And, like, another guy that I work with was leaned over to someone else and said, like, Kyle knows this is, like, really cheesy, right? <laughs> And the, my other coworker was like, sure, yeah, he knows that. And then he, he talked to me about it later, and I'm like, I honestly don't really feel like it's that cheesy. I mean, you put yourself in the 1965 setting. We didn't know anything about outer space, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, is it any more cheesy than any other 50s or 60s? I don't think so. In fact, I, I not often as cheesy hold the, as yeah. the 70s films. That's true. And yeah, I often hold the uh, the idea, the logic here is that if you compare this movie from 1965 to whatever we were making in America in 1965, like, 
it's going to hold up really well comparatively. But yeah. But I don't actually have a huge knowledge of what we were doing in the 60s here in America for for film. But uh, my final thoughts are just this movie is my favorite Godzilla for all the reasons we talked about. Like this is such a great uh, example of good screenwriting, a great example of fantastic acting, casting, pacing, miniature work. Everything in this movie clicks on an amazing level for me. And that's why I give this movie, like, if we're going to give it, like, stars or anything like that, I would give it, like, nine and a half out of ten stars. It is that good to me. I think this is an A. If you're going to grade a movie. Yeah. Especially a Godzilla movie or even just science fiction in general. This, in my opinion, this is an A. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. All right. So, uh, we did get a fair number of responses here from people, but... Because we have the Kaiju Corps, which I should still talk about more, which is our uh, supporters group for the Kaiju cast, the top level, the colonels, get to send their homework in via voicemail. And we're going to start things off with Benjamin. A common theme in Godzilla films involves Earth's, and by extension Godzilla's, battles with hostile invaders. Sometimes they come from the ocean depths, other times from the future, but most often they are a malevolent alien race looking to seize our humble blue-green planet for conquest and exploit. Monster Zero was the first, and certainly one of the best, of these tales. A big part of this were the aliens themselves. Hailing from Planet X, the aptly named Exilians had a look that was classic 60s spaceman through and through. They also had a clipped, precise way of acting that only seemed to accentuate their underlying deviousness. Standout amongst their ranks was the Exilian spy, portrayed by fan-favorite Kumi Mizuno. She had divided loyalties between her people's prosperity and her earthling love, Glenn, a dilemma which added tension to the story and would eventually give Earth the upper hand. Speaking of our intrepid astronaut, a big part of my adoration of this film comes from the talents of Nick Adams himself. Seeing a charismatic American as one of the lead heroes gave me an added connection to this film and in a small way invested me more into the story. Pairing him with total royalty like Akira Takarada certainly didn't hurt either. Despite the language barrier, there was certainly a bit of chemistry between the two, and it's a shame that the duo won't ever reprise these roles in future titles. With all this talk of the human drama, one is left to wonder about the monster action. Granted, this is one of the movies often cited as proof that quality isn't dependent on monster screen time, but it is not to say this film is lacking in that department whatsoever. The fights between all three of our newly numbered monsters are energetic and satisfying. I thought it was cool that this is the first and only Godzilla picture in which he fought on extraterrestrial soil, something that would only crop up again in print media and video games. With all that being said, this film is not only exemplary of Godzilla's Showa years, but also of his entire body of work. It comes as no surprise to this reviewer that this film, no matter what title you give it, remains ultimate on Kyle's list of Godzilla films. Yeah, man, that's right. Ultimate. Speak it. Speak <laughs> Anyway, nice job, Benjamin. We also have Jace, who sent in his homework, too. So let's go with Jace right now. That sounds lame, but I'm going to leave it in. Monster Zero is one of my absolute favorite Godzilla films and seems to me to mark the end of an era. According to August Rugone's book on Eiji Tsuburaya, it was the last of the Godzilla series to employ the entire Toho visual effects production team. In my view, it ended the sequence of films running from 1954 to 1966, which I think represents the real golden run of Toho's kaiju films. 
When my wife Jesse and I first got together some years ago and she expressed a desire to delve into the world of Godzilla, I had so much confidence in this film that I showed it to her first. It was a great decision and shows just why this is a great film to bring people into the genre itself. More than anything in this film, I appreciate the classic science fictional tropes. Spaceships, UFOs, alien vistas, mind control, and alien cultures that always seem bent on world domination and yet always have one glaring vulnerability. When I was a kid, this was one of a handful of Showa films that escaped my grasp until I reached the age of 9 or 10. Along with Mothra vs. Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Gigan, this movie came along to revive my love of Godzilla, forming a bridge between adolescence and my teen years, when I had a kind of second renaissance of Godzilla love upon discovering the Heisei series. There's only a little bit of monster action, but it works with the plot, much like Legendary's new movie. The goofy Godzilla dance makes for some great comic relief, and the monster battle on Planet X gives us the Big D's only major outing on an alien world. In general, I highly recommend this film as an instance of great science fiction all its own and as an example of Toho magic at its best. Great big thanks to our kaiju colonels, Benjamin and Jace, for sending that in. Remember, if you would like to be a member of the Kaiju Corps, just go to kaijucast.com slash support. We have three levels, and it is a yearly membership. I should actually mention this uh, later, but just in case I forget. If you signed up for the Kaiju Corps in the first year, that is a subscription, so that will automatically renew. So if you've forgotten about that, make sure you check your PayPal settings specifically for the Kaiju Corps uh, level that you signed up. Anyway, we are going to go ahead and move on to the homework sent in by the listeners. Anthony notes that one of the first questions people ask when selecting a kaiju movie is, would you show this to a newbie to the genre? The answer that he gives is an enthusiastic yes. Why is he so passionate about newbies seeing this movie? Simple. This was his first Godzilla movie. He still remembers it like it was yesterday. He was 12 but had already heard about Godzilla from different shows and cartoons growing up. He was curious and wanted to know more about this legendary creature. So on a weekend at his grandmother's place, they went to a video store, and she let Anthony rent movies to watch at her house. That's where he found it. Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. There was no turning back. Anthony was a kaiju fan. Watching this film as an adult allows a person to have a different appreciation for it, Back in the day, he found himself enjoying it because it was awesome watching Godzilla blast King Ghidra with his nuclear breath. In this day and age, while Anthony still finds it awesome watching Godzilla shoot at King Ghidra with his nuclear breath, he adds that <laughs> he adds the mysterious Namikawa played by the incredibly beautiful Kumi Mizuno. It also gave us one of the most iconic moments in Godzilla's history the Godzilla Victory Dance. Sure, people give it a bad rap and think it's the start of the series losing its edge. A better way to look at it is that it helps solidify Godzilla's new role as a protector of the people. Together with his buddy Rodan, they won't let any three-headed chumps tear their planet apart <laughs> once they break away from the alien mind control, that is. Perhaps the real major problem is that the true intentions of the Exians are incredibly obvious to just about everyone. Why are humans in sci-fi movies so stupid and trusting? Shouldn't we have found a way to ensure that the Exians didn't totally screw over the Earth? Maybe sneak a bomb onto their spaceship when they had uh, their initial suspicions that the controller was up to something? For that matter, what did Glenn and Fuji think Godzilla and Rodan were going to do on Planet X? Buy a timeshare and wait for the cable guy to come on Wednesday? 
To reiterate, this movie is a must-watch for Godzilla fans and those who are new to the genre. The only thing that could have made it better is if Glenn had stumbled into the Exian Ladies Onsen, an entire hot spring of Kumi Mizuno's. Yes, please. Agreed. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Invasion of Astro Monster is definitely one of Chris's favorite films of the series. King Ghidra has never looked better. And whilst it has been criticized by some for its appearance, the 1965 Godzilla suit is one of his favorite incarnations of the Big G to date. The narrative of Astro Monster is perhaps a little clunky regarding Tetsuo's invention, but the way the friendship between Glenn and Fuji is presented is really well directed, and there's a wonderful familiarity when watching their scenes together. The actors all do a good to fantastic job with Sekizawa's script, with Kumi Mizuno giving the best performance of the entire cast. The effects work is brilliantly choreographed, and whilst stock footage is used, a la Rodan 1956, it seemingly blends well and is hardly as noticeable as in later films, i.e. Godzilla vs. Gigan. Overall, this is one of the better films of the Showa period, and truly reflects the golden age of Toho's science fiction films. I was checking out some of the stock footage in this viewing and I was actually kind of surprised at how not to disagree with you Chris but how much it some of it didn't blend but I think that's because there's a lot of scratches and uh specifically sure. with the stuff from Rodan you know Rodan was shot at like standard uh 4 by 3 4, four to 3 ratio and mm -hmm. you know these films are usually like 16 to 9 or whatever that is widescreen versus full screen and so I think what really helps it, though, is it's all pretty much destruction. And so you don't notice the dust and scratches in a destruction scene as much as you would something like a tank rolling along the right. ground. You know? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, for John, Godzilla has been around longer than he can remember. There are only a few Showa films that he actually remembers seeing for the first time. One is King Kong versus Godzilla when his grandmother let a five-year-old John stay up way past his bedtime to watch a 10 p.m. airing. The other Godzilla, the other was Godzilla versus Monster Zero. But when he watched it way back when, he had no idea it was a Godzilla movie. It was part of a creature double feature on a local TV station in Boston. When the first film was over, the announcer said that up next was Monster Zero. He'd never heard of it, but decided to give it a shot. This was also John's first introduction to King Ghidra. So even when he showed up, he still had no clue that it was a Godzilla movie. It wasn't until the controller said they wanted to use Monster Zero One and Monster Zero Two, Godzilla and Rodan. John was just as surprised as Glenn and Fuji. As far as the movie itself, it's the absolute definition of a great kaiju film. It has spectacular monster action, from city destruction scenes to fantastic battles, but it also has a great script and story and a cast that brought it to life. This cast was a collection of people who clearly cared about the craft. There wasn't a dud in the entire ensemble. Akira Takarada, Kumi Mizuno, and Yoshio Tsuchiya were all amazing. And what about Nick Adams? Nick Adams could have gone into this giving a lackadaisical performance. He was 100% into this film, and whenever he was on screen, he commanded it. One thing John appreciates today is how Godzilla and Rodan were portrayed in Monster Zero, he saw this film before Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster and wasn't a fan of Godzilla and Rodan's transformation that took place in that film. 
They never came across as the good guys in Monster Zero, though. They were more middle-of-the-road monsters. Also, he never got the sense that the human characters didn't fear them even before Planet X took control of them. He's glad Toho took that approach for this movie. Dislikes? There aren't many, but if John were to pick out a few things, he'd want a little more of that final fight. Also, it was a little bit of a bummer to see the stock footage creep in. That being said, this is easily one film to show a newbie. Now, if you'll excuse him, John needs to go pack his sister in ice. Eric's first memory of this kaiju classic was a morning before school when he was a young lad. His dad put a movie on, telling him to watch it, not revealing anything about the film. Since it had aliens, Eric kept watching, and then, to his childlike excitement, Godzilla was mentioned and then appeared, along with Ghidra and Rodan. Unfortunately, this excitement burned out when his dad had to take him to school to start a kaiju-less day. Many years later, he found Monster Zero in a local video game DVD store and acquired it immediately. He reveled in its retrorific effects. And of course, who could forget the legendary Godzilla victory dance? Campy and goofy monsters and aliens makes Monster Zero always fun to watch. Even if his favorite kaiju movie featuring Ghidra is the one of the Heisei era. Sorry, not sorry, Kyle. However, it remains one of the best of the Showa series and a favorite since that school morning probably about 12 years ago. 12 years ago? Yikes. It's a young I lad feel old. Oh, my God. <laughs> asking Steven to rewatch this movie is like asking him if he'd like more ice cream or pie or bacon. Of course, please. Calling this one a classic <laughs> is almost tantamount to demeaning the word classic. This one has it all, and then some. When he was a kid, Steven had two favorite actors, Kurt Russell from all the Disney movies, and Nick Adams from Monster Zero. He cannot adequately express the sheer joy he gets every time from watching this movie, so thank you, Kaiju Cast, for another excuse to pull this one out and regale himself with all the kaiju action. Tom Zero is reporting from the dimension we have not seen because he wears dark wraparounds inside. The future, baby. <laughs> Tom Zero One and Zero Two want to cruise for clones in Shindogu vehicles equipped with stolen 1950s Stadium PA systems and an A-cycle light rays because some controller totally trashed their vintage replica rocket. But because of the UFOs, they have to leave it parked. There's this ambassador from the past who gets overwrought about bean hills. So take him back. Women's lib has been in reinterpreted in odd hand semaphore from math magic land. There are jiggy monsters, but they may be superfluous to the plot. Fortunately, this place is soundproof, even the bars, which are really cool looking, but expensive. It's okay, though. The Toms are totally going to get $750,000 adjusted for inflation once the marketing efforts get started. The glitter person promised them. <laughs> awesome. That was good. One of Johnny's favorite Godzilla films as a kid, Monster Zero, Monster Zero One, and Monster Zero Two appear in this kaiju epic. This is one Godzilla film which he can't decide which version is better because both versions 
are about equally as good. The dialogue in the English dub is more memorable. There are only about 10 to 15 minutes of kaiju on screen, but who cares when there's so much sci-fi awesomeness going on to count. This movie has probably the most memorable alien race in the Godzilla franchise. You can't really think of any problems, so there are probably so they're probably not worth mentioning. Overall, this is a fun film and a good starter film, and Johnny gives this movie monsters 4.5 out of five in the words the planet x commander he's saying this johnny gives this movie monster zero four point five out of zero five okay want me to say it again no no i just did it you got it you got it so good in the words of the planet x commander after godzilla's victory dance a happy moment a happy moment. <laughs> if you can't tell, I love impersonating the uh, the controller. You're very good at it. We wish to borrow from you Monster Zero One and Monster Zero Two. <laughs> Mike says Monster Zero. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Mike says Monster Zero is easily among the best examples of cinematic fantasy from Toho's golden age. You have all the major players firing on all cylinders both in front of the camera and behind it. The plot and tone are pure escapist entertainment, not somber like the 50s films and not as childish as what would come in the 70s. There's something about the 60s films, not just Godzilla and Japanese sci-fi, but 60s films in general, from the Pink Panther to James Bond that evoke a level of coolness and enjoyment that is so hard to duplicate. For this viewing, Mike watched the Japanese subtitled version this meant there was a trade-off. Some things that don't make sense in the dub are more easily understandable here. Examples in the dub, the controller of Planet X states more than once that water is rare and precious on Planet X, then seems to contradict himself by saying, oh no, water is not a scarcity here. Whereas in the subtitles, we see that he only meant to say that they'd found a way to easily obtain water. Hint, hint, stealing it from the Earth. Also in the dub, the controller refers to Godzilla and Rodan as your Monster Zero One and Zero Two, inadvertently implying that there may have been a monster on Earth before Godzilla. Here he just calls them Monster Zero One and Monster Zero Two. No, your. What you miss out on, though, is Nick Adams in his own voice, especially when he gives the Exians a tongue lashing as double-crossing finks and stinking rats. I seriously cannot get enough of that. <laughs> like, Those are great terms. Yeah. Uh, and remember, in defense of the earth, we're going to fight to the last man, baby. Also, Mike prefers the Afukabe music that they chose for the opening credits in the English language version. And the Japanese version uh, is missing the thud sound effects of Godzilla hitting the ground when he does his infamous shay, which kind of takes something out of it. Something that doesn't make sense in any version are some of the Axian's actions. Why go through the trouble of faking Ghidra attacks to obtain Godzilla and Rodan? Why did they need the Earth's cooperation for this? Why not just take them? Maybe they really, maybe they're really into protocol and bureaucracy. Lots of alien red tape, perhaps instigated by getting all of their orders from computers. But for Mike, this just didn't compute. Maybe it's because it's a Japanese film. And Japanese are very, uh, strict and proper uh, will have a proper way of doing things anyway yeah maybe there seemed to be a misnomer among some people that this film depicts godzilla rodan and king ghidra breathing in outer space they might have had the impression that planet x has no breathable atmosphere because it looks barren with no clouds 
and astronauts Fuji and Glenn were wearing spacesuits when they first arrived, because they didn't know, obviously. In fact, Planet X does have a breathable atmosphere. We see Exians walking about the surface, collecting water shortly before Ghidra's second appearance. Also, Mike thinks that the meeting between Fuji, Glenn, and the Namakawa clones takes place in the open air. The lack of blue skies and clouds probably owes something to the lack of water. I figured that was like underground, some sort of underground cavern. Anyway, uh, Mike has to wonder why Planet X is considered a planet and not another moon of Jupiter. The subtitles even refer to it as a satellite of Jupiter, yet they insist on calling it a planet. Where's Neil deGrasse Tyson when you need him? <laughs> he wasn't born yet. No, I guess he was. Maybe. I don't in 65? He, he was in sixth grade. I'm not doing that math, man. <laughs> late. <laughs> it's late, yes. The Godzilla suit used here looks great, but it would not hold up to repeated uses at, at all. The same suit, it looks nowhere near as good in Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. And by the time it was being used as a water suit in the other films, it was all but falling apart. This is in stark contrast to the G, uh, to the 1968 suit, which looked fine in all four films it was used. The Rodan suit ain't so hot. What's up with the curved beak? But Ghidra, Mike thinks, looks better here than in any of his other films, especially during his terrestrial attacks. You've got to admire astronaut Fuji for his incredible abilities at multitasking. Not only is he an astronaut, but he gets to put on a white coat and spearhead the A-Cycle Light Ray Project. Also, did it pass by anyone that all of the A-Cycle experiments and the construction of the light ray treks happen in less than 24 hours? Mike also has to wonder why, if the Exians are so intent on taking over the Earth, why did they concentrate all their efforts in Japan? And even then, only in a small area of Japan. At least the Keelocks knew the monsters needed to be spread out over the globe. Sidebar, they totally say King Ghidra's attacking America in, mm -hmm. in some of the movie. Anyway, and oh yeah, where's Mothra? Stuck in a cocoon, maybe. Joey saw the English version of Invasion of the Astro Monster and cons considers it in his top 10 Godzilla movies. The third act of Godzilla, Rodan, and Ghidra raising hell and fighting is one of the better scenes in the series. Takarada and Adams have great chemistry. The only problem Joey has with it is that it takes a little too long to get to the kaiju action. Joey would show this to a kaiju newbie. He gives it eight dancing Godzillas out of ten. Ron just watched Invasion of Astro Monster, and what a good movie it was. The story is very good, but nothing new. The special effects are awesome, as always with Eiji Tsuburaya projects. Nick Adams, Akira Takarada, and Kumi Mizuno were all great. He has just three questions. Number one, who hit Rodan with the ugly stick? He looks bad. Well, they had to redo the Rodan suit because it was not holding up from 1956. Uh, and also, they were trying to make him a little more friendly because he is legitimately kind of scary looking in the 1956 movie. So maybe they didn't hit the mark, but there you go. <laughs> I think he looks just as bad in... Uh, maybe ugly in... is friendly. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I think he looks <laughs> just as bad in Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, too. Yeah. Question two, how does Rodan hide inside a mountain without making a mess? That is an excellent question, because in Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, I think Rodan does tumble into the sea. I don't know. I, it would make sense for Rodan to show up in Monster Zero inside the mountain if uh, if he hadn't been in uh, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Because at the end of Rodan, the 56 film, one of them, or they both sort of die in the lava. 
Yeah. But, you know, one of them could have survived in the lava. Maybe this was the other one. Maybe there still are two, two Rodans. And this Maybe. one, this one, uh, survived inside the lava. And that's how, why he was inside of a mountain. Maybe mm-hmm. he has magic powers that we don't que- know about. Question number three. How could a creature the size of Godzilla fit in a lake? It's a big lake. Actually, you know, if you were to take Godzilla and like fit him fly in a lake? way high, there are definitely lakes that could fit Godzilla. I mean, Crater Lake is like know, that's eight, pretty big. Plus, hundred feet deep. Plus, like yeah. Lake Myojin that, that was in the movie, that was not a real lake. So what? Mind blown. Yep. All in all, a fine movie he'd show to anyone that has never seen a kaiju movie. Robert agrees that Invasion of the Astro Monster is the seminal Godzilla film, apart from the original. The creative crew and cast, kaiju and human alike, are all at the top of their game, which makes this film truly classic. Some of Robert's favorite scenes are the dinner where Tetsuro meets Big Brother Fuji, Glenn's reaction to the death of his robot girlfriend, and of course, the monster battles. Specifically, Robert loves Godzilla's happy dance and the finishing move against Ghidra, where Rodan flies Godzilla in for a body slam, which sends them into the ocean, and the resulting tidal wave takes out the coast. Simply brilliant. Also, does anyone know where one can get one of those awesome Planet X space helmets? They're almost more like flight helmets, like the old, old school flight helmets that just sort of like are leather and sit around your head. Yes. Unfortunately, the answer is no. I don't know where to get and them. They're kind of like Devo style glasses. Yes. Yes. That you should have picked up in the 1980s. <laughs> uh, Monster Zero has always been one of Will's favorite Godzilla flicks. It was one of the first movies of any franchise or genre that he can recall seeing as a kid. In fact, he still owns his well-loved VHS copy, despite owning the superior DVD. And he wants to find a pair of those Stylin' Exian shades. Man, everybody loves those shades. Uh, Monster Zero is notable for how it sets the stage for much of what comes later in the series, among other things. It showcases the franchise's first alien invasion plot, including mind-controlled monster weapons, establishes the monster team-up as more than a one-time fluke, and with the inclusion of the legendary Shea dance, helps cement the Showa-era Godzilla as the good guy he eventually becomes. Much of the franchise builds on what's seen here. Will and his brother often lament the surely astronomical insurance premiums of that poor mobile oil building. In terms of sheer screen time, the film features surprisingly little monster action, but it never feels bloated or bogged down, thanks in large part to the strength of the cast. The human and Exian characters are engaging with their own unique quirks and personalities, making their presence welcome rather than annoying. One could make a drinking game based on how often Nick Adams hikes up his pants. <laughs> Monster Zero is required viewing for any would-be G-fan, both for its own merits and for how it helped dictate the future of the franchise. Paul says that Monster Zero remains to this day one of the best Godzilla films ever made. It arguably has the best alien invasion storyline in the Godzilla series, and the acting is terrific throughout. Adam writes, Monster Zero or Great Monster War, Honda's 17th fantasy film returned him to the world of outer space with all its accoutrements. Aliens, ray guns, rocket ships, interplanetary travel, and more. 
to this cosmic stew was added a theft warning device and three manic monsters. Just a few ingredients making up this highly entertaining film. Sekizawa's script is brisk and lively and does not stand up to close scrutiny. The Exian scheme to take over is elaborately planned as they go to great lengths to use their fictitious World Education Corporation business as a front, then take the trouble to buy the rights for Tetsuo's invention to get it away from him, when a much simpler solution would have simply been to kill Tetsuo and then destroy his blueprints. Wow. It's true, though. Yeah, you're right. Despite all the script problems with this movie, it's still highly entertaining, and Adam attributes this to Honda's direction. Tsuburaya and his staff, and Ifukabe's music. Honda maintains a serious tone in the drama, fighting hard against cliched situations written into the script and the campy look of the costumes designed for aliens. Tsuburaya's staff did very well on the outer space sequences, which are convincingly beautiful. Ghidra once again stands out in his second appearance, though he seems to have slowed down a bit as he does gentle glides as opposed to frenzied flying that he had done just a year prior. While Ifukabe's score for Kaiju Daisenso borrows heavily from themes used in previous films, he did manage to create some softly suspenseful moments in his music for Planet X. One impressive musical moment takes place when the saucers surface from the lake. The piece begins with a fluttering English horn and a sinister piano, joined by plucking bass strings and a trembling violin before exploding into cymbal and brass as the saucers rise from the water. Actually, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. A rapidly paced and visual treat painted in lavish, gaudy colors and sprinkled with memorable dialogue, Monster Zero is meant to be a harmless diversion, yet, while admittedly being fun to watch, it is fluff without form and style without substance. Invasion of Astro Monster slash Kaiju Daisenso, Great Monster War, a.k.a. Monster Zero, Definitely the greatest movie ever. Ian thinks that Invasion of Astro Monster was a very well-done follow-up to Ghidra. The storyline seemed to be very well thought out, giving the human heroes plenty to do while building up the tension while we wait for Godzilla to get in on the action. Though one does have to ask, where is Mothra? Since it was Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra who defeated Ghidra in the prior film. The suit action was seemingly on par with Ghidra and gave you the action that had made the prior film just as exciting. Okay, so you guys ready for this? Does Herman love this movie? You bet Veras he does. <laughs> you should have seen Jeff's face as I was reading that. I should have given this to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> what else can be said about this wonderful classic? Any self-respecting Godzilla fan owes it to himself to see it if they never have before. This movie was one of the three holy trinity that formed his love for Godzilla as a kid, the other two being Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster and Godzilla's Revenge. Godzilla, Rodan, and King Ghidra look so awesome in this movie, especially King Ghidra. Herman just wishes Rodan's eyes looked more like the original Rodan, even as a kid, he always preferred this movie to Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. The story was more fun, and the battles are much better in Monster Zero. Not to mention, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero has no Mothra. That alone makes Godzilla vs. Monster Zero far superior to Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Jeff, those are not family-friendly symbols that you're throwing up. <laughs> Signals. Nick Adams is an awesome taste of American attitude in the Japanese setting. Of course, as an adult, when Herman looks at the Exians, he halfway expects them to bust out singing Joko Homo through being cool or whip it. Or, I would add, 
girl you want. But uh, (laughs) what a fantastic work of cinema. Gary says that this is his favorite Godzilla movie. It's what he judges all other kaiju movies by. This movie has it all. A great cast is in Kumi Mizuno, Akira Takarada, Kumi Mizuno, Nick Adams, Akira Kubo, and did he mention Kumi Mizuno? (laughs) Classic monsters with Godzilla, Rodan, and King Ghidra. Classic one-liners by Nick Adams. Exions from Planet X, directed by Ishiro Honda. Special effects by Eiji Tsuburaya. And music by Akira Fukube. Come on, man. It does not get any better than this. <laughs> Wait, it does get better. No Mothra in sight. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> oh, man. A big, solid 10 out of 10 atomic blast. Kyle says this is his favorite Godzilla movie from the Showa series. He loved the special effects, especially the miniature sets. Overall, he would give it a 9 out of 10 atomic blast and would show it to a newcomer <laughs> in the kaiju world. P.S. Welcome back from Japan. Oh, thanks, guys. I hope they have a horrible day. <laughs> oh. Jeff. No, it's okay. Whatever. It's like water off a duck's back. <clears throat> On this very special day, Chase decided that he would appease his kaiju cast overlords and watch Invasion of Astro Monster. He heard Kyle's praise for this movie and had high expectations. For the most part, the expectations were fulfilled. And where does he begin? First, the happy moment, the defining moment in Godzilla history. Godzilla defeats his eternal foe and does his signature dance. Truly a happy moment. Next, the aliens. They are the definition of shady with their creepy shades and bathing caps. They are proof that when an alien race offers you drugs in exchange for your monsters, you just say no. <laughs> the characters themselves have a very have very interesting features. Tetsuo is an inventor living in his mother's house. Glenn is an astronaut that happens to be dating one of the aliens who is pretty much forbidden from seeing him. The monster fights are pretty well orchestrated. Godzilla waits behind cover until he finds an opening to fire at Ghidra. Rodan picks up the rocks and tosses them at Ghidra. He likes to wonder if the Japanese would rather listen to Nick Adams' voice dubbed or subbed. And what's with 1960X? Why couldn't they find a specific year? Actually, the answer to that question is... Uh, probably that they just meant that it's sometime in the future, sometime in 1960 before 1970. Anyway, 1969, 1960X. <laughs> anyway, he has found a link. The reporters say that Planet X is the 13th satellite. 13 is a particularly unlucky number. Maybe meeting the aliens was bad luck. Who knows? On to the king himself. This suit is not among the top five of Chase's favorites, but it gets the job done. The Rotan suit shakes like it's jello, but is entertaining to watch jiggle. <laughs> At some points, the astronauts begin to question the science of the planet, and heck, he was agreeing with them. He, he thought the use of ironic comedy was used well, comedically. For example, Tetsuo says that Fuji claimed that he would stand on his head if the invention sold. The next shot? Fuji and Glenn, upside down in the P1. Uh, I actually really like how they did sort of like the transitions. Mm -hmm. Because they had another one where the P1 is flying through space. And then it cuts to the restaurant where uh, Tetsu and and his girlfriend were. Where it had like sort of like the nighttime painted sky or painted ceiling. Mm -hmm. 
A highlight of the movie was the soundtrack. He thought that Akira Fukube did a really bang-up job on this movie. The music can be really suspenseful at times. This movie was more human-oriented, but that's okay for him. He thought the human parts were actually more interesting than the short monster bits, much like the X from Outer Space. Nick Adams' relationship with the alien was interesting, to say the least. The ending really didn't do it for him. Keen Ghidra flies off, and after all that hard work, we just have to wait 30 years till 1999 till he bites it. Basic overview, it was a doozy of a flick. It didn't have much monster action, but the little bits were pretty cool. The human plot was satisfying and made Chase feel for the humans, a classic Godzilla movie and one that he would love to see with his friends. 8.5 dance hops out of 10. There you have it, our Daikaiju discussion years for Godzilla versus Monster Zero. That was pretty good. I thought that we got some really good comments. And I was mm-hmm. I was actually very happy that most people seem to also find it very enjoyable. Yeah, I think the overall impression was everybody enjoys it or considers it to be one of the best. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get any real hateful, scathing reviews. Except no. the few people who just the Mothra. But, you know, I've yeah. come to expect that. There's always going to be a couple jabs into my side. <laughs> but, you know, I-, I can take it. I know you can. It's, you know, you're a strong man, Jeff Dean. Have another drink. Yeah. Hey, you guys want to know what next month's movie is? I do. September's Daikaiju discussion will be Godzilla X Megagiras. Nice. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, actually. It's been quite a few years since I've sat down and actually watched the whole thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if my impression has mellowed over time or if I still hold the same thoughts on it. I haven't seen it, so I'm excited. I don't think I have. You'd have to ask Brian to confirm that because I'm pretty good about forgetting about movies sometimes. Okay. (laughs) Or I mix them up with other things. You know, it would be interesting for this one, actually. I've never seen the dubbed version. No, I don't want to do that. It's the Hong Kong dub. It's going to be terrible. Anyway, oh. uh, if you would like to be part of our Daikaiju discussion, you need to send your homework in. That's your thoughts, questions, and reviews before September 22nd. And uh, there's a contact form right there on the website for that. That wasn't a ton of homework, but that was a pretty solid amount. And it's late. You guys up for some pickled ginger? Always. Oh, yes. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> I don't think he it. seems as into this idea. Because uh, he knows I'm going to win. Yeah, it should be. It should be a little more of a competition, Mr. Dean. Now that Brian's not here. Especially now that yeah, Brian's not well, here. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm a little offended by that comment, Kyle. <laughs> that you would think that, yeah. I'm less than Brian as far as my kaiju knowledge goes. It's okay, not, it's true. That's it's not true. what I meant. I know, I what just, I meant was Brian I, is just like so on the ball and he's uh, not here. Uh, While I'm uh, sorry that Brian didn't make it to this recording, I know. I'm happy to see what happens, how this it's transpires. True. This is the first pickled ginger that he's missed. I know. So this pickled ginger was sent in by Chase. Now Chase actually sent in Six questions. Okay. So... Bring it on. Actually, he sent in seven, technically, in case there's a tiebreaker. So... Oh. We'll just go ahead and and start. What monsters were confirmed for the new legendary Godzilla productions? Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidra, Mothra. 
Yes. Point goes to Rachel. Yes! We're just going to count that for one point. Okay. Point to Rachel. Did you know that, Jeff? I did. Okay. You just didn't want to answer. Well, she started talking. I want to. He was letting me answer. He's very polite, which you yeah. shouldn't be in this game, oh, yeah, yeah. especially gotta, with me. Who's I got to get more. I got to. Okay. I'm you on. guys are. All right. I'm ready. You Let's guys go. are okay, yeah. too used to playing on the same team. That is. You can't. You can't. I know. We're too used to both being this, against yeah. Brian. Let us confer on the answers, and then we'll get back to you. <laughs> this is a this is a tricky one, so you might have to think about this. Okay. Which kaiju has the unique ability to disguise itself as a familiar giant lizard? Well, that's, um... Gorosaurus. No. Gorosaurus? Uh, <laughs> that, well, that's oddly worded. Yes, it is oddly worded. Say it again. Which it Godzilla... Again? Sorry. Which kaiju has the unique ability to disguise itself as a familiar giant lizard? Godzilla. Which kaiju has the unique ability to disguise itself as Godzilla? Oh. Mecha Godzilla. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm All right. I didn't well, write the question. Neck and neck. <laughs> it's okay. We're into trick questions. It's cool. Which Jaeger has the highest kill streak at the beginning of Pacific Rim? Ah, uh, Gypsy Danger? Um, no. Eureka Striker. Uh, That's really close. Um That's kind of correct. It's not Eureka uh, Striker, but oh. uh, Striker Eureka. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's late. <laughs> sure. Okay. I had to reword this question, so I hope it makes some more sense. It should make more sense than what Chase wrote. Sorry, Chase. Name two kaiju that have many different forms or stages. Mothra. Oh, Biolante. Mm, many different forms or stages. Destroyer. Oh, I was gonna say. I'll I'll just tell you right now, Mothra and Biolante don't count. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Destroyer mm -hmm. and many. Um. Hmm. Oh. Rachel is looking around the room. <laughs> I'm totally trying to cheat. Uh, I will tell and... you that looking behind me is definitely not the answer. Okay. Um. And I only have one figure of this monster. Really? <laughs> yeah. One figure of this monster, and I actually don't know where he is right now. I'm kind of looking around for him myself. Wait, your bodies are blocking my view of the... <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's behind you guys, but... It's not Ogre. No, no. And that's not Ogre. Ogre is from the Dark Crystal. Well... It's Orga. Orga. <laughs> that's what I meant. I know you did. Many different... Should I give you a... Should I give you a, a hint? Yeah. He's kind of stinky. Hedora. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, okay. All yeah. Right. All right. I don't know why I missed that one. Because he does have, I guess I don't think of it as, they are pretty different. Yeah. But yeah. they're definitely forms and stages. They're different forms for and sure. stages. Yeah. For I sure. Just... The first was mm. like a tadpole. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, man. Is this five or what is this? This is number five. 
How? Okay. I'm- I don't remember how many we were supposed to be doing. Chase did a great job on submitting more than he was supposed to. So we'll just do this one as like the final question. Because I think you guys are tied. Yeah, because you've each gotten two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is the this is the tiebreaker here. Okay. What was the very first movie in our Daikaiju discussions? Oh. Shoot. Um. <laughs> you were there, Jeff. Yeah, I know, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, I know. A lot of dead brain cells between now and then. <laughs> um, Godzilla versus Gigan. Godzilla no. versus Megalon. Mecha Godzilla. Mecha- Megalon. No, are you guys just going to keep guessing? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think back uh, like when we were doing GMK. It. Mm-mm. No. GMK is actually, right now, I think it's scheduled for our very last one. Oh. That'll change eventually, but. Is it a Godzilla film? Ones it is a Godzilla film. Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. It's kind of ironic that it was our first Godzilla film that we talked about. Uh, Godzilla Final Wars? Yes. All right. Rachel wins. Rachel. <laughs> I picked up on the hint. Yes. Uh, uh, Brian's going to be so I just, proud. Okay, so That's right. Brian's going to. He he had another one on here, which is really good, but it's too late for anybody to get this. If you could even get it, I'm actually Bring can, I would like no, you're not going to get it. <laughs> I would like to know if Brian could get this because oh. I seriously doubt he would even be able to get this one. However, here's the tiebreaker that the Chase included. So just literally the first person that answers it. This is it's not even a real question, but what's my last name? Yeah. What? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Really, Jeff? Okay. Is that your last name? Shut up. (laughs) Okay. We have one song to play before we go into the news. We are going to listen to Monster Zero, which is a track on an album called King Ghidra, which is a it's kind of an interesting rap-ish sort of album. It's a hip-hop kind of thing. So we're going to listen to that and then get into the news. And then after the news, you guys can go away. I'll let you go home, I mean. So. <laughs> the monster again, Zero. Monster Zero. Command all units to take defensive position. Yes, sir. What is Monster Zero? Monster Zero is the reason we cannot live on the surface, but must forever live underground like this. All right. I will show you Monster Zero. Hey, look. It's King Gitter. Yes, indeed. On Earth, you gaze this terrifying monster the name of Ghidorah. Everything is numbered here. The monster is zero. Pay heed to my warning. The entire human race will perish from the earth. Where the monster Ghidra passes, only flaming ruins are left. Ghidra, of course, that's why she had the pistol. What pistol? I, when I first met her, she was carrying a pistol in her purse. I asked her about it and she explained to me. And I believed in it. So now you're convinced that we're from outer space. That's right. What do you have on your mind? Peace terms. Peace terms? 
A nice idea. Would be a bad situation if that creature came here to Earth. It's worse. He's arrived. How could that possibly be? And why?
The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Oh my god, so much news to cover. So much news. Uh, in fact, there's so much news that I decided to sort of whittle it down to the top stories as far as I'm concerned. So, number one, of course, Godzilla uh, has been picked up for a sequel from Legendary Pictures. But did you guys know that they announced the actual date of the sequel? Oh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, so June 8th, two thousand. 18. Whoa. Uh, four okay. years is what, how, how long we have to wait. Yeah. Years did we wait for this one? Four, <laughs> I think. For this. From the one? announcement? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I yeah. think it was. Yeah, I think they announced yeah. it in 2010. Yeah, four years is a long time. I wonder how many writers they're going to go Gareth through. Gareth Edwards. Hey, hey, hey yo. <laughs> Gareth Edwards is signed for this one, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's also been, he's going to be in between this doing. Wait, something with Star Wars. Right? Yeah, he's doing a Star Wars spin-off oh, film. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think he starts working on that. I'm not exactly sure. I don't have, you know, a direct connection to Mr. Yes. Edwards, but uh so that's the that's the date for the next Godzilla film. Uh also Godzilla 2014 stuff, the DVD and Blu-ray releases are happening on September 16th, but the digital version, the all-digital version that you can buy on, like, Amazon Prime, maybe? I shouldn't have started with Amazon Prime. I know you can get it on iTunes. I'm pretty sure you can get it on Vudu and some other platforms like that, but you could watch Godzilla in your home if you are a digital uh, movie watcher kind of guy. So that's uh, happening. I'm very interested. Now, are are you guys buying the Godzilla Blu-ray when it comes out? Any of you guys? I'll probably get it, but I'm going to wait to see. Because, you know, the one thing that always bothers me now is, like, when they release these movies, different retailers sometimes have different special yes. features. Yes, right. that's, that and is absolutely And then a few years true. down the road, they'll put out a big, giant special edition where they're all on there. Yeah. Right. So, like, Pacific Rim, they released all these different versions, but there is sort of, like, the penultimate Pacific Rim release. And that's the one I bought. Mm -hmm. I want to do that for Godzilla, but mm -hmm. as far as I've seen, I have not found a very special Godzilla release. So I'm sort of kind of waiting till that's that all gets sussed thinking. out. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely want one, but I mean, you know, for this movie, I saw it in the theater so many times. I'm not looking, I don't want it to sound like a jerk, but I'm not looking forward to watching the movie. I'm looking forward to watching the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really what I'm excited about for this film, So, or for the home video market. Anyway, uh, when I find out what's going on, I'll definitely probably be posting that stuff to the KaijuCast Facebook page and so on. Uh, moving on to other news, there was a really cool article online the other day about Godzilla and the 4K cleanup that's happening on the that. Japanese films. And I gotta say, like, uh, they were talking about removing the wires and cleaning up the scratches and dust effects and not dust effects, but the, you know, the flaws with the film. Mm -hmm. um, I know I saw a couple people say like, oh, that, that they like that. They, they want to see that stuff. If it were me, I would actually, I wouldn't make new footage for that stuff, but I would definitely give it a semi-special edition kind of uh, treatment. So not only do you remove the wires, 
clean up some of the bad matting, uh, some of the dated compositing effects. But I would also go as far as to like add sound effects where there are missing sound effects, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clean that kind of stuff up too. Cause in, if you guys remember my, one of my biggest complaints about the original Gojira is that there are times when Godzilla should be making noises. You should be hearing him and you can't like his, there's his right. footsteps aren't happening. And that it, like when we played it at the Hollywood theater and I went to like all of the screenings, like it just mm-hmm. kept bothering me more and more. So that's the kind of thing that I would do with the, is uh, Toho doing, is yeah. Toho's behind this then? It said it was Toho, you know, doing it. And it's like some crazy, it is a crazy lab where they go through frame by frame yeah. and clean up all that stuff. I, I can't imagine how much work that takes. I mean, I, I'm all for that, but I am a little bit skeptical if they're, you know, if they're going to do kind of like what you had mentioned about adding new sound effects. Oh no, they won't be doing. They probably won't yeah, be doing that. Yeah, I think like it'd be, it might sound too modern or too different, unless they took like elements for that time period. Right. I'm not talking yeah. about like say, you know, Godzilla's footsteps in the first movie are just like. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just a drum, or or yeah. uh, it's like an amplifier that they rocked on its back, or something like that. I'm not saying replace those with the high definition yeah. sound. I just think it should be there. It's not like the old sounds were bad. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. yeah. Sometimes there were no sounds. There's a scene where Godzilla's walking down the street, and the mm-hmm. camera's above his shoulder. You can't hear him walking. It's just silence. Yeah. And and other times when he roars, you know what I would fix? I would fix any screwed up roars in Gigantus, the fire monster, or Godzilla raids again. You know, mm-hmm. that was terrible. Yeah. So Toho's doing all the films or I think they're just starting with this one because it's so time consuming for them to do it. I don't yeah. think they've said that they're I mean, going to I think to it would take years for them, you know. All they- of them at this point, they haven't said, right? In that or at least in the article that I read. It said only one minute from the original film and from each of the sequels has been turned into 4K. But so far, the results are stunning enough. Hmm. So, I I mean, that sounds awesome to me. I would love to see 28 minutes of, you know, mm-hmm. compiled footage from all these movies. Because, yeah. I, I mean, sure, we don't have 4K technology in the homes yet. They do have them in movie theaters, and I would absolutely go see a movie, you know, that had been converted to 4K. So that would be cool. Anyway, so I, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting article specifically for that, and I actually had several people, you know, send it to me, which was funny to me because I have these Godzilla alerts on my, uh, on my email. So that was one of the ones that showed up like early in the morning before I woke up, and so when I sort of like. Turned over and rolled, <laughs> grabbed my phone in the morning. I like go, mm, Godzilla News Alert, what's this? And oh, cool, 4K. So it was like the very first thing that I read that day. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next news item. Uh, Godzilla Rulers of Earth number 18 has been chosen for the artist edition at IDW. Now, did you guys check that out too? Yeah. Have you seen any of the artist editions in person? No. They are beautiful. They're really? huge too. They're not like they won't fit on a standard bookshelf. You have to it's like 
It's like oh, a they coffee do, like, table the book. Full size. It's <clears> like <throat> yeah, it's like eleven oh, by that, seventeen. The actual oh. artist size. Yeah. Drawing. Exactly. That's, wow. Yeah. So issue eighteen. I, I can't wait to see that. So these are large scale comic issues. Mm-hmm. So it sounds, you know, even though it's not a massive book, it still sounds awesome to me. I can't wait to get one. Yeah. Oh yeah. It doesn't say anything about price. Though. It does not say anything about price just yet, but uh, I'm sure that's coming. I'm sure it's coming. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next up, speaking of IDW Publishing, did and now you guys are not reading the comics, right? No, I'm not keeping up okay. on them. So they just launched a brand new series called Godzilla Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. I saw the covers. Oh, man. They look awesome. Okay, so Cataclysm is a really cool idea. So imagine that Godzilla and his uh, rubber-suited foes have destroyed the world, essentially. Like, reduced humanity to, essentially, tribes. And that is what this comic series is about. And I've only read the first issue, but man, I can't wait to read it. So it's all a post-apocalyptic setting? Yeah. That's what it looked like on the covers. Like, it, it looked very much like... You're a video game nerd like myself, The Last of Us. Yeah, totally, totally post post apocalyptic. Yeah. And actually, I I will say that while Eric Powell's run on Godzilla was not something that I cared for, Eric Powell's idea behind Godzilla, which was like when these monsters appear, humanity is screwed because mm-hmm. we have nothing that can destroy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If his series, or at least if his um, timeline had continued, it would probably end up like this. Godzilla Cataclysm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's at least, okay. that's sort of what I'm thinking. I don't know if the timelines are the same or if they're, you know, this is a something that will tie into the previous series, which they have been doing. Rulers of Earth has elements from Kingdom of Monsters. I was trying to remember the name of the title. <laughs> Kingdom <laughs> of Monsters and... Just you know, Godzilla, and and uh, I I I'm interested in seeing how it progresses for sure. And if you haven't read it out there, uh, you can pick it up right now. Issue one is out, and uh, issue two should be out next month. Moving on to the next item, and have you guys seen the Godzilla video game stuff that's coming out on the PS3 in Japan? Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of people that are trying to get that here in America. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're mostly fans. It'd be nice to see it. I know some guys yeah. that are actually have already pre-ordered it from Japan, so they're oh, gonna okay. they're gonna get it on their system. I'm not gonna buy one because, well, let's just say it this way: I'm not going to buy one just yet. I'm gonna wait to hear what it's like and see some gameplay, mm-hmm. and then the reason I'm hesitant is because I don't have a PlayStation Three. So if I want to get it, I have to buy a PlayStation Three. Or you can come play it at my house. Or that, or that. You guys should, uh, mm. you guys should get it. Yeah. 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 There we go. Anyway, so I'll have a link in the show notes to the bngames.net website where they have the uh, Japanese website for the Godzilla game in the show notes. I already know the answer to this question, unfortunately, but did any of you guys check out the Rift Tracks Godzilla, uh, Fraudzilla? 
Gino? No, I didn't know. Did you see it? No, dude, it happened when I was in oh, Japan, yeah, right. which is a bummer because I would have loved, like when they were doing so the Kickstarter for, for that. Us to go. Totally, right? And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm totally going to do this. And then I looked at the dates and I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be in Tokyo, which is a pretty good excuse for yeah, <laughs> not I'd doing say it. It's so. all right. Uh, we only got a couple more news items here, so let's just blaze through these. Moving on to some collectible things. SH Monster Arts Mecha King Ghidra has uh, been announced with accessories out the wazoo, which includes... The Dorats! The Dorats. Yes! Uh, That's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> the best part. It looks impressive. It does look yeah. impressive. And I gotta say, uh, as far as the recent releases from SH Monster Arts, I've been kind of disappointed in the well i i'm kind of disappointed in the sh monster arts line in general which we can talk about another time but the accessories have really just kind of dried up you like this goot the little 1964 godzilla came with nothing at all mm-hmm. nothing tra la la oh. so it's really cool to see that they're making mecha king ghidra with like the g grasper and all the stuff and the dorats even though yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the Dorats, but I I, I I will say, even though I'm not a huge fan of the Dorats, it's kind of cool to see them getting represented in a toy form. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I might have to, I don't want to pick it up because I'm sure it's going to be in the $200 range, but like, you can it's do that tempting. You can give me the Dorats. But no, <laughs> see, I would want it for the Dorats because yeah. I don't have Dorats see, I, in my collection. That's the thing that I think I is see. putting I little see. those kind of eccentric um, accessories in there, I think pushes a few collectors over the edge to where yeah. they're like, I'm going to get this. I think, totally. I think you're because right. Because of that. Yeah. Uh, next up, X Plus Japan has announced a new lineup. It's also on Sci Fi Japan. Uh, they have an article showing the Real Master Collections Godzilla 1962. Mm-hmm. These are like uh, resin, poly, either poly resin or resin versions. So there's like highly detailed, really crisp quality sculpts, you know, and because they're in resin, they retain that that high quality. It's also kind of fragile. I've seen a lot of broken ones on Yahoo Japan auctions, oh, you know. So sad. Yeah. I personally wouldn't go for something that's poly resin getting shipped from Japan. But I digress. Uh they have a twenty five centimeter mirror man figure. You, any of you guys familiar with Mirror Man? I'm not really no, familiar not with Mirror really. Man. It's a it's a hero like Ultraman. Hmm. Yeah, you know the name rings a bell, but I can't picture him. There's a 25 centimeter rigger from Ultra Seven. That's one of the four legged kaiju. And then they've announced. Oh, this one's awesome. I've pre ordered this one too. <laughs> uh, 27 centimeter Godzilla 1989. So the Biollante yeah. Godzilla, oh, okay. sculpted by Yuji Sakai. Yuji Sakai is essentially the ultimate Godzilla sculptor. Like in terms of making things realistic, like his company, I think it's called Zokai Kobo. I don't exactly know how to say that, but they've been doing appearance kits. Like so when you think of Godzilla appearing for the first time in a movie, like Monster Zero, for mm-hmm. example, the first time Godzilla appears is when they pull him out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. They made a kit with the saucer and the lightning rays and Godzilla. 
Oh, so there's a model cool. kit of that, yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's expensive. I mean, those those sure. resin kits are are pricey. But he's known. In fact, this book here, Godzilla Dream. Da, 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 this book is filled with his his sculpts. So he did so many things, awesome. and he's really really talented. I'm spending way mm-hmm. too much time talking about him, but he sculpted the 1989 figure. So nice. I had to get it. 27 centimeters? Yeah, so it's like sort of in between the 25 and the 30 centimeters. Yeah. So. 27, 20, it, it, that is in between 25 Kind of like 28? Basic it was math would 29. suggest that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to getting that. But we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. We're done with the news, and we're moving on to the catastrophic events. Dun, dun, dun. I like it. <laughs> I want a sounder for catastrophic events. I don't have one, though. Done. You have your clip. September 12th through September 14th, Son of Monster Palooza in Burbank, California, is going to be hosting many guests, but those special to my heart are Mr. Kenpachiro Satsuma, Tsutomu, Tom, Kitagawa, both of those guys played Godzilla, Satsuma played the Heisei Godzilla, Kitagawa played almost all of the Millennium Godzillas. Excellent. And they're also going to have an artist, uh, Shinji Nishikawa, who actually did concept art and uh, uh, creature design for the Godzilla series. Oh. Cool. Um, I am unfortunately not going down to Son of Monster Palooza, but you should, if you can, uh, listeners, or actually you guys in here, if you can go, I would highly suggest yes. it. Those, uh, those Godzilla actors, super nice guys. And I'm really bummed that I'm not going. The only thing that's stopping me from being upset and just saying, screw it, I'm going to go, is that I'm Martin's best man at his wedding. So Yay. I got to go do that. Uh, September 20th and the 21st, Rose City Comic Con happens here in Portland, Oregon. Woo-hoo. Please come to our panel, Godzilla versus everything. Uh, it is 11 a.m. on Saturday the 20th. And we're basically going to be showing the top 10 moments in kaiju history. So hard to choose. Well, the good news is that what we're doing right now is we're compiling a list. Uh, I need help from my fellow co-hosts, and we're getting help from the listeners suggesting at least one scene per movie. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to create a poll, and we're going to get everybody that I can to vote on that poll. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like a week and a half before the actual uh, Comic-Con, I'll close the poll and take the top 10, and we'll create our presentation. We're actually going to show some video clips during the presentation. So, nice. That'd be awesome. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. I, I've been wanting to do that for a while. Mm-hmm. So that was the uh, that should be a lot of fun. Godzilla versus yeah. everything. If that's not enough incentive for you, maybe I'll come up with another <laughs> awesome thing that we're going to do during the, during the panel. Mystery prize. Yeah, mystery. yeah. Come up with some kind of like really difficult trivia question with some really awesome prize. I like it. I like it very much. So the other thing is difficult to actually say because there has not been an official announcement. However, have you guys ever heard of Chiller Theater? It's in New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. It rings a bell. It's a convention. And so uh, this convention has often brought in some Japanese guests and apparently... I can't say anything about it because it hasn't been officially announced, but they've got something very, very special planned for this October show. So October 24th through the 26th, and uh, 
Parsippany, New Jersey, I believe is how you say it. <laughs> I'm not positive though. <laughs> anyway, so that's going on and uh, we are, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to that, unfortunately. It's definitely not something that I'm going to buy a plane ticket for if there's no official announcement. But yes. uh, let's just say that if there was an official announcement and it was actually happening, I would actually look at what it would take to get me over there mm. for interview materials. Yes. Intriguing. Anyway, <clears throat> that's it for the catastrophic events. We got a couple of housekeeping items to talk about. Jeff, you, sir were out of the KaijuCast HQ during some of the recordings because you had to go to a tattoo shop. Yes. So I want to hear about not your tattoo shop experience, but what is this all about? I was lucky enough to be cast on a reality show that is now airing on the A&E Network Wednesdays at 1030 called Epic Inc. Epic Inc. Yes, it's a nerdy tattoo show. There's no drama on this show. It's just people go in and they're giant nerds and they want nerdy tattoos. And the people who are the artists there are some of the best tattoo artists. They flew in from all over the world, actually. And, uh, yeah, they, uh, they grant your wish. Yeah. Whatever you want. Now, I've seen your you tattoo. You've seen yes. it too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Awesome. It's amazing. Like, yeah. I love my tattoo artists, but oh my God, your when, tattoo is gorgeous. When is yours airing, Jeff? Do you know, you I, don't, I don't have a date, but the show is airing now. They've had two episodes. It airs every Wednesday. They told me they would let me know when my show is, but then, you know, these Hollywood folk. Jeez. <laughs> they, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure. They told me it would probably be around the Halloween season. Okay. Okay. Due to the subject matter of my tattoo. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But sounds I, legit. I, yes, yeah. I will I will tell the listeners that it is monster related. So, but not kaiju related. It, it it is not Japanese monster related. No. Gotcha. Okay. Cool, man. Well, I can't wait to uh, see your episode, and it's on, what time is it on again? It's on 10.30 Wednesdays on A&E. Awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next housekeeping item. Uh, I actually want to give the Kaiju Core members an update. If you have not received your Kaiju uh, Kaiju Core stuff, your swag, your your gear, for your perks... For being a supporter of the Kaiju cast. That is definitely my bad. I'm sorry about that. We have had a crazy, crazy busy month here. Uh, I do have most of it packed away, but over the next uh, week and a half, I'm going to really try and nail all that stuff down and uh, not have the whole Kickstarter thing interfere. But hopefully, you can understand why things have been a little nuts here at the Kaiju cast. Uh, also, of course, we were funded. And I did just go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get into a whole big thing right now, but do you guys have any questions about it? Like, if you could choose two questions, like one question each. Wow, I'm so limited. Now I don't. I don't think I'm going to write the answer or ask. <laughs> 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 See, I'm, I'm so, so I just can't even. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. 
we need to dedicate a whole episode to that. I know. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, after the documentary, I, yeah, behind the sure behind the scenes, scenes kind of look. You know, ta- been, let's take a look back. Yeah, you know, I've actually been recording, sitting down like pretty much every night and recording what happened. Not every night since the trip, but like in the last few days, like mm-hmm. recording what happened in a given day. So I've already got Thursdays, Fridays, and. Uh, I need to record Saturday and Sunday. But basically, I just sit down and, like, for myself, I just record quite a bit. We're going to go ahead and move on, though. Uh, I just did the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, so please look for the video on the KaijuCast Facebook page. I think I will also post it to the... um, I'll also post it to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, That, I think, is everything we need to cover, unless you guys have anything. Nope. You're like, no, please close the show. Get me out of here. So uh, we are going to close things out by saying what we always say here. If you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory, please don't hesitate to point your web browser to KaijuCast.com so you can discover everything that we're about. That includes links to our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube social media networks that also includes the list of all of our episodes the list of daikaiju discussions commentaries would say commentaries uh there's also another thing we do that i never ever talk about every monday pretty much for over a year now the kaiju cast has uh been streaming godzilla related music from straight from the kaiju cast hq it's called monster music mondays it's totally free you can listen to it on your phone. You can listen to it on, if you have a smartphone, I should say. You can listen to it on your computer. Uh, I pretty much, I think there's only been like a handful of Mondays that I haven't been able to do it for one reason or another. Yeah, it's usually just when you're out of town or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or when I come back Monday morning and I'm too wiped out to do anything. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, check that out. Uh, KaijuCast, uh, I think I post it on the Facebook page every time, but it's it's mostly every Monday. So, Anyway, that is pretty much all I wanted to talk about specifically for this episode. Uh, what should we close out the show with, you guys? Something metal. Something metal? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, can't go wrong there. Can't go wrong with metal. You looking forward? What are you looking forward to in the future for the Kaiju Cast? I would say more movie watching, more commentaries. I'm looking forward to more Brian. <laughs> Poor Brian. <laughs> I'm looking for to to more pickled ginger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just yeah. So can, send just, in more so trivia be, questions. Just so I can be humiliated again. <laughs> <laughs> How about what you're not looking forward to? You guys should take it easy on Jeff. I think anytime you get a movie that doesn't have Mothra or a movie that does have Mothra, people like give these little jabs at Mothra. Mothra is pretty awesome, you guys. Like, and I'm not just saying no, that because no, Jeff's I, here. I don't want them to hold back. Bring it on. Let's go. <laughs> Bring it on. Come on. Bring it on. I enjoy a good fight. All right. We are going to close the show out with Mothra Metal. Nice. Yikes, dude. You don't Whoa. have to yell into the microphone. I'm excited now. Just Let's do a whole other two-hour show. Let's do it. Eardrums. We're going to close this episode with Isao Bito's Mothra Metal. So we will see you in September for the next episode of the Kaiju Cast. Until then, Jamata. Jamata.
Don't be-